Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. An emergency podcast recording coming your way. KGW's Blazers 3-on-3. I'm stuttering right now because I can't believe what just happened right out of the gate. The Portland Trail Blazers upset the Los Angeles Lakers in game one of this best of seven series, 100 to 93. Nate Hansen joining me. It's almost midnight here in Portland, Oregon. We're doing this on Zoom. Nate, your thoughts on what the Portland Trail Blazers were able to do tonight? Uh, we were just chatting briefly right before we start recording this because you're right, it's 11.57 at night right now. So we're just a couple hours removed from the Blazers win. And I was just telling you how just stunned I was that the Blazers pulled this off tonight. Uh, I've talked in previous podcasts how I thought they would get this eight seed and they'd get to this position and people were talking, you know, national media was making it sound like the Blazers had a real chance. Uh, going into this series. And I, I was not buying that because of the Blazers' just inability to play before tonight to play any sort of defense and that they would have to, sco- you know, score 130 points to win games. And then all of a sudden, they score 100 points tonight. And if you had told me, you know, five hours ago, the Blazers are going to score 100 points, I would have told you, oh, they lose by 15 or 20. <laughs> you could have never convinced me that they won by seven. But they did tonight, so I'm stunned. And it's just... It's a credit to this run that they're on right now. Uh, Damian Lillard, this team, they, they fully believe in what they're doing right now. And one thing that was completely apparent from the tip tonight is they're, you know, they're the eighth seed. The Lakers are the one seed. They're not afraid of the Lakers, though. They're not afraid of this team. They, it was clear they believe they can beat this team, and they did tonight. That's one big reason why they are somewhat of a media darling to some of the national folks is because they're not the typical eight seed. Yeah. This is a team that, if healthy, would not be in this situation. Mm-hmm. And that was a big reason why, going back a few weeks ago, when the Blazers were on the outside looking in, three and a half games behind the Grizzlies, why I thought this team would not only you know catch them, but get into the playoffs as the eight seed, was their leadership and their experience. They've been in so many tight games already that they are super comfortable with it. And they seem to play their best when the game's on the line, when things get tense. They don't panic. You start to see 
Obviously, Damian Lillard has those big shots, those big moments. C.J. McCollum has had them as well. But it's when you see the other guys hitting those shots in key mm-hmm. scenarios, whether that's Gary Trent Jr. or Carmelo Anthony tonight. They just seem to be in the right place at the right time, and they're fearless in those moments. And that has so much to do with your teammates and your leaders that have been there and done that and know what to expect. And now you look at it, and they're up one nothing against the Lakers in this series. It's, I know for Portland right now, Rip City, it's going crazy on my uh, Twitter feed. <laughs> yes, and absolutely. The amount of alerts that we're getting right now. So I know how much that Blazers fans are digging this. I even cracked up during the broadcast at halftime. You know, Brooke Olsendam is, is doing the, the, the halftime report and they had a fan show up with a beat LA sign. <laughs> he's sitting there in the back outside of the concourse. Who knows how he got there, but he's the only guy there holding a sign. So I just know that this means a lot to the Portland trailblazers to one win a playoff game as the eight seed against the one seed, but also to beat LA. I mean, it doesn't get much sweeter than that. Absolutely not. It runs deep. And you talked about experience. To me, that was that was the difference at the end of this game. But it's not only the experience uh, the Blazers have had in this bubble where, you know, Lakers, the first eight seeding games really didn't mean anything. After like the first one, they had clinched yeah. the top overall seed. So it didn't really mean anything to them. So they haven't been having to play at this intensity level that the Blazers have had where literally every game matter for Portland and for the most part every single one of them came down to the wire and the Blazers had to come back in the fourth quarter like they did again tonight and so when they're in the situation they were tonight I think to the Blazers it was like oh it's just another day you know we're, we're all right we've done this before and to the Lakers who were struggling offensively you know playing in a meaningful game and going into tonight the pressure is on the Lakers this is the first playoff game they've played with LeBron James leading this team and Anthony Davis and these new-look Lakers. And so all the pressure was on them tonight to win. And Portland came in at the end of that game. I think it showed the experience and just the, I think they know the pressure's on the Lakers and the Lakers know it's on them as well. And then just the experience of the past. Portland, this group, we've talked about how, you know, the six or seven players we're seeing contribute a lot right now haven't played a ton together, but the big three have. Nurkic, CJ, and Dame have been through it in the postseason. You know, it was only two years ago that they got swept in the first round as a three seed. You know, it wasn't that long ago. And they remember that. And I think we talked about it way back then. You know, what can you take from that experience? And I think. I think those three guys took a lot away. We've seen the Blazers since then have playoff success. We've seen them, when it comes to these crunch time minutes, be able to play it out in the end and hit big shots. And C.J. McCollum, again tonight, like mm-hmm. he did in the Memphis play-in victory, hit a huge three in the fourth quarter. Damian Lillard hit a couple massive threes. And as you mentioned, Carmelo Anthony, who I think had a pretty awful game for the most part, until the until he hit that big three in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, the darling of the bubble for the Blazers, Gary Trent Jr., he was 0 for 3 on three-point attempts. And all of a sudden, at the end of the fourth quarter, he has that confidence and he nails one. And really, that was the dagger in the game that put him up five at the end, 98 to 93. And so I, this is a confident bunch who, who's gained experience in this bubble playing in these tight, intense games. And I think it showed tonight. 
Yeah, Melo was uh, three for 11 from the field. Yeah. But he still, he still finishes with a double-double and hits one of the biggest shots of the game. And you're getting those contributions at key moments that yeah. make up for it, you know, if you're going to be off but still hit those shots at the end. The Blazers will take that every time. Timing, and, man. It's all about timing. 100%. And you mentioned Yusuf Nurkic. You know, this – this was two years in the making. He didn't get to play in the playoffs last year. No. And he talked about that in, in the uh, post-game press conference for a little bit. Eric Gunderson had, had asked him the question about, you know, just how it feels to, to get out there, contribute, and win. And Nurkic had talked about his injury and what this journey was like to, to get back there. And obviously with his grandmother dying, it just gave him even more of a purpose and even more focus and – he had a double-double at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, 10 what points, Yusuf 10 Nurkic boards. Was, yeah, so what Yusuf Nurkic was able to do early really set the tone, and even having Wenyan Gabriel get out there, take the place of an injured Zach Collins, you know, had the dunk. He scored the first bucket of the game as well. You're getting these little moments that built up to this. You, We know that no lead is, is safe in the league. So even when the Blazers, you know, were up 16, we all knew that the Lakers were going to come back, and – LeBron James was terrific. I mean, his stats were out of this world tonight with his triple-double. Anthony Davis was good as well. But the, the other players were better than the Lakers' other players and in some ways got exposed. And, and to, as good as LeBron James and Anthony Davis were tonight, they weren't the best player on the floor in that right. game. Damian Lillard was the best player tonight. LeBron James was great statistically. You know, 23 points, 17 rebounds, 16 assists. That's uh, Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible. But it didn't quite feel like he was putting up that type of stat line, you know? It wasn't like he was taking over the game. It wasn't like the – it didn't feel like watching that the Blazers just could not stop him. And then you talk about the contributions of the other guys. I mean, the Lakers, one of the reasons the Blazers were able to only score 100 points tonight and win – is the Lakers. They made the Lakers shoot from the outside for the most part. And the yeah. Lakers obliged taking 32 threes, and they only made five of them. Which That's is terrible. Terrible, 15%. And so this was – when you look at that, you, you think to yourself as a Blazers fan, the Blazers have to win that game. If the Lakers are missing threes like that, they have to win. And the Blazers came through in the end and did. But you talked about contributions from other guys – and right at the tip, the Blazers, I think it was important that they jumped out to that big lead right away. Because I think it showed the Lakers like, hey, you know, we're not messing around here. <laughs> and I think it also gave the Blazers some confidence as well uh, for the rest of the game. But one of the guys that we haven't brought up yet in terms of other guys contributing that had huge contributions tonight was, and you know, you know, this is not easy for me to say, my friend. I was wondering if you were going to bring this up. But uh, Hassan Whiteside tonight, that was – I mean, you look at the – that's a game where usually with Whiteside, you look at the box score, and the box score tells you a different story and it makes it seem like he played better than his impact on the floor. Tonight is one of those rare games where I think it was the opposite. He played 26 minutes tonight, so he got a lot of minutes because Zach Collins being hurt. But he only had you look seven points, eight rebounds. That's fine. The five blocks stand out to you, but the timing of those blocks, especially the last two blocks, he had two in those final 
four or five minutes. One that set up a key sequence. You know, the game was tied at 89. LeBron drives down the lane. Whiteside, you know, blocks his shot. I think that was his final block, his fifth block. And then about 10 seconds later, Dame pulls up from 36 feet and hits a three-pointer that we're now just getting used to, I guess, here in Portland. Lamar yeah. Heard on the local broadcast was just laughing as he <laughs> made that shot. Because, what you know, at this point, what else can you do? You've seen it so often if you're a Blazers fan. But that was a five-point swing. If LeBron makes that layup, Lakers are up two, and the Blazers are bringing it back up the court. You know, pressure's on them with four minutes left in the game. And say he gets the block, the Blazers are able to, you know, open the floor a little bit, and Dane pulls up from 36 – it's 36 feet, but it was an open – it was a clean look from 36 yeah. feet, which is why he took it. He drilled it. All of a sudden, the Blazers are up by three with a little under four minutes left, and the pressure is on the Lakers. So, Hassan Whiteside, it was – and we talked about this in previous podcasts. You asked, you know, what does he have to be for the Blazers, you know, moving forward? And I said, he doesn't have to be, you know, 15 and 15. He needs to just make key plays in crucial moments. And I think he did that tonight. Plus minus, you know, can be a stat that can be misleading. But tonight off the bench, he was the only one with a positive plus minus for the Blazers. Plus 13 off the bench for Hassan Whiteside tonight. He – he was huge in that fourth quarter. He was so critical to the Blazers win. And even Damian Lillard after the game said, without Whiteside, we don't win this game. That sequence that you mentioned, I thought was the play of the game. Yes. I felt like that's when we knew it was over. Oh. When, when, Whiteside, when Whiteside came up with that block and sets the screen for Lillard on the other end who buries that bomb, for me, I, I said game over. I thought, I thought that was it right there. It felt like just such a turning point. And it is entertaining also to see people, the national audience experience this Damian Lillard thing. Whereas for us, we're, it's casual. Like, that's a good shot. That's, yeah. that's a pull-up. You know, the way that he's extended the floor. So when he knocked that down, it just it, – it was like a bang-bang, just one of those Golden State Warriors-type moments where you see the momentum and the game just shift in a few seconds. And that's what happened on that sequence. But, yeah, Hassan Whiteside deser deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to do in this game, to come off the bench, to contribute, and to make key defensive plays. Something yeah. that the Blazers have lacked throughout the bubble was somebody to get stopped, somebody to, to step up when they needed one. And to get it on LeBron James is just kind of the, the sweetener, you know, the, the icing on the cake. Yeah, it was that sequence. It was a gut punch, I think, for the Lakers. And at that point, you know, the Lakers had built up a lead in the fourth quarter because the Blazers, we can forget about this a little bit. Early in that fourth quarter, they really struggled. They didn't score till about four and a half minutes into the fourth quarter. And I was even seeing tweets on my timeline about game seven, 2000, you know, popping up because they're struggling to score in the fourth <laughs> quarter. But they were down 87 81. And at that point, at the, with that block and that three from Dame, all of a sudden they're up 92 89 like three minutes later and so at that point you're really putting the lakers on notice and putting the pressure on them and it was it was a pivotal moment in a game that you know as it dragged as the game went on i felt like man the blazers as the underdog you know there's only so many opportunities you're going to have to beat the lakers and to beat a team that's probably more talented than you are and 
So you can't let them go to waste. And so as that fourth quarter was unraveling, I just kept thinking to myself, they have to finish this off. You know, they, yeah. you know, if they lose tonight, they'd essentially have to outplay the Lakers five out of seven times instead of just yeah. four out of seven. And they, they credit to them again, late in games, the shots that they made for themselves, it's, I, I'm I'm at a loss for words, man. I'm I'm yeah. so stunned. Totally, because I, I had that I, I had that same vibe um, going into the fourth quarter. One, they actually played decent enough in the third quarter. Yeah, that's been rare. I mean, they yes. won the third quarter. We we can't say that very often. They were able to do that, so that was impressive. But even then, I was thinking this is a golden opportunity. They have to close this game out, and even even to the point of. I thought all everything that went into this to give up a double digit lead and lose, it could have if they lost this game, I thought they could get swept. Yeah. If they lost this game. Like sometimes when you lose one game, it feels like you lose two, mm-hmm. depending on how you lose it. And with the Blazers really in control for most of this game, the Lakers shooting so poorly, and the Blazers having that opportunity to close it, I I just I just think it had it. They, they had the opportunity there where they, they could have been swept. They didn't. They won this game, and now they have an opportunity to build upon that. They're going to play every other day, as you mentioned before we started recording, Nate. Getting that extra day of rest was big time for this Blazers team, who's been playing must-win games for the past couple of weeks now. So every game's felt like an elimination game for them, and I think that went into the into the way that they started this game as well, because yeah. they were still riding that wave. I'm curious to see if they still have that same urgency going into game two, or will we see something out of the Lakers now where they throw the first haymaker to start the first quarter? And we'll have to see how the Portland trailblazers respond when they play in two nights from now. What do you think, Nate? I could see it going either way. And I, I understand that's a lame answer to your question, (laughs) Uh, but the blazers are so experienced that, you know, to Dame and see to these guys, they, you know, they went to the Western conference finals last year. Like that's nothing. They were one of the final four teams to play last year. So they've been through it before they've won, you know, series in two other seasons too. And so they've been through this. And so I think that experience could, you know, help them in terms of not coming out flat for a game two, understanding, all right, we got one. But we got three, you know, we, there's a lot more to go. We got three more to win against these guys. And I could also just see the Lakers just being, you know, they're the one seed for a reason. And they haven't, they haven't played well in the bubble, especially offensively. They've been in the bubble, the worst offensive efficient team in the bubble. And that reared its really ugly head again mm-hmm. tonight for the Lakers. But, you know, you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James arguably two of the top five, six players in the league on your team that even if the Blazers come out prepared, I could see a situation where the Lakers with those two guys just come out, you know, uh, playing like their, their season depends on it and they come out hot and are able to take advantage. So like I said, I could see it going either way, but I agree with you. If the Blazers had lost game one, it would have felt like the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah. All those games where they had double-digit leads against the mm-hmm. Warriors and were just unable to finish them off. That's what it would have felt like to me. And so to get this one tonight, not only does it change the narrative of this series for a little bit, but I think it gives the Blazers confidence and it just puts even more pressure on this Lakers team who hasn't played well in, in five months now because of the pandemic. 
Um, and so the Blazers are in a really good situation. My question for you before we end this tonight is we, you know, we, we talked about this potential series in our last podcast. Do you think, has it, has game one changed your mind on who you think is going to win the series? Are you still going with the Lakers? Are you, are you jumping ship? Are you flip-flopping like senior flip-flop over here? Are you flip-flopping and going, going with the Blazers now? Man, no, I, I've, I've always thought that the Blazers would make this competitive, but I'm still going to stick with the Lakers on, on, on that pick, on winning yeah. the series. But the longer this thing goes and the more opportunities you give the Blazers to, to upset a team – it's uh, it, there could be some flip floppery going on no. in about a week from now. So I would have been surprised if you flip flop. Cause I'm not even ready to flip flop. Yeah. I'm not even ready to do that. I still think the Lakers are going to win this series, but now I definitely think it will probably go at least six, if yeah. not potentially the full distance seven. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'd be surprised if the Lakers were able to reel off four wins in a row, but honestly, I, I would kind of, just because of, at, high, at how high of a level Damian Lillard is playing and that C.J. McCollum, again, he was another guy, wasn't having a great game tonight. But that three he hit, I think to make it 87, 88, he tied it at 87. They're down three, and he hit a shot was similar to Memphis, where you know he has his CJ handles going between the legs and everything, just getting yeah. in rhythm and drilling a three with a hand in his face. And I think those guys are just making shots at big time. Dame's playing so well, Nurkic is playing so well, and they've got some belief that I think at least goes six or seven. But I'm with you. I think the Lakers will will probably with just with those two guys will be able to win. Yeah, seeing CJ. Uh, really take over in the third quarter. And then, like you said, the big shot he had in the fourth, it, it, it was a quiet game for him up until, up until that second half when he really got cooking. My, what, what did surprise me about this game is we talked about how terrific LeBron was and how ridiculous that, that stat line was. But the Blazers did a good job of taking it out of his hands, clogging the paint forcing him to pass and, you know, seeing, you know, Caruso take a wild three and just, there were, there were just moments in there where you're thinking, what is, what is going on? Why, why isn't LeBron taking over this game? And I think a lot of credit goes out to the Blazers for not allowing him to, you know, just kind of put his head down, get downhill and get to the line or get layups. Uh, they made it a little bit tougher on him. And a lot of that has to do with the Blazers size and having a guy like Whiteside out there, Nurkic out there, that um, forces them to force the team to hit threes that wasn't hitting threes. Absolutely. And Mello probably deserves some, just the team overall deserves some credit for not letting LeBron take it over. It, it seemed pretty clear in that game. They said, we're guarding the paint. We're not letting them get anything close to the rim. You know, Anthony Davis will get some, but you can't stop him, you know, all the time. That's why he's Anthony Davis. But we're, we're going to limit, you know, how many points they get at the rim, and we're going to make them make some shots from the outside. And if it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis taking those shots, okay, we'd rather have them taking them from a distance than close at the rim. And if it's someone else taking the shots, then we're going to live with whatever happens at that point. And tonight, for the most part, LeBron James was willing – you know, he showed it. He had 16 assists, and he could have probably had 20 to 25 if anyone could have made a shot around him tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And so I think the Lakers, I think the Blazers are going to continue that strategy. Try to make, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to get theirs, but try to limit, you know, the damage they do. It goes back to the, you know, it didn't feel like LeBron was controlling the game tonight, despite that crazy stat line and see if a Kyle Kuzma can make some threes for you. If Anthony Mm -hmm. Davis is going to take five, three pointers every night. Okay. That's fine with me. Take those threes from out there. Uh, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, 0 for 5 from 3 tonight. You know, if those guys are going to shoot some threes, Caruso, you mentioned, go ahead. You know, some night and some nights those will probably go in for the Lakers, and they'll probably win those games. But if you're the Lakers, you got to bet that uh, those shots won't fall. And if that happens three more games where those guys are missing shots, then we might be talking about history for the Blazers. It was the perfect storm for sure. If you ask the Blazers what they could get out of their opponent, because they've been so bad at defending the three, yeah. if, if they could, if they could make one wish, it would be to not have a team knock down threes at a high clip. Yeah. And that's what they got. And as you mentioned at the top of this thing, a hundred points got them a win. Which I, they threw this out would, on would be possible. Yeah, they threw this out on NBA on uh, on the the post game show on TNT, and I want to make sure because they threw out two stats, so I want to make sure this is right, and I'm pretty sure it is. They said the hundred points the Blazers score tonight is the lowest amount of points they've scored in a game that they've won this entire season. Uh, <laughs> I haven't gone back to double check that. But that's what they said on the post-game show on NBA on TNT tonight. And I think they said the 93 points they allowed tonight was one of the five lowest point totals they've allowed all season defensively. So that goes to show, I mean, the Lakers, like I said, they've struggled offensively. This wasn't like an abnormality for them, like an out of the blue. They've struggled since they've come into this bubble. I and thought, they missed free throws, too. I thought They missed well, important free throws. They did. LeBron missed two. Back to back at towards the end of the game, they shot 64% from the free throw line tonight. And, you know, I thought the cure to offensive lows would just be play the Blazers <laughs> and those offensive lows will go away. But in game one, they didn't. So credit to the Blazers. So game two on Thursday, game three on Saturday, we are off and running in the postseason. The Blazers in for the seventh straight season. And what a way to get in as the eighth seed and you upset the one seed in game one, 100 to 93. Two, two eight seeds upset the one seed today. Just yeah. a, a wild day in the NBA. Yep. And it feels, it just feels so good to be able to just be watching this basketball again and to be talking totally. about this again. And for, for Portland, I don't think this would have been a possibility without the break they had due to the pandemic and, you know, they're making the most of this opportunity. So we'll see if they can continue to do more damage. And all these games are in, like they're at prime time. If you're a Portland fan, you know, 6, 530, great times to watch the games. And uh, you can definitely feel the community in Portland really starting to get around this run right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely it's growing game by game. Uh, Damian Lillard's legendary status within the city. Oh man. And now nationally it's, it's growing tremendously during this little run here because so many more eyes are on them. There's not as many games 
uh, around the world in terms of live sporting events. So as you mentioned, the Blazers being in quote prime time uh, is huge for that. So he's gaining a lot of, of respect, a lot of new eyes. They're all learning about what we've known from Damian Lillard for quite some time now. Yeah. So it's fun to, to see the city have something to be excited about at a time when things are, are crazy and unusual and different. So to your point, man, it's been a lot of fun so far for them to, to win game one means that we're guaranteed another four more games of playoff basketball minimum. Gotta love that. Right. <laughs> Which means that we'll have another, another podcast yeah, week I'm- by week. I, I, so, imagine, I imagine the next one will, uh, will probably won't be immediately after game two, unless they win again in a fashion yeah. like this. Who knows? We may do another midnight one. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure we'll have another podcast after game two, at least at some point. So those of you who were along for the ride tonight, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family. Make sure to rate us. It all goes a long way. Subscribe helps others find the podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. And you can catch all of our work on, on KGW and KGW.com as well. For Nate Hansen and Orlando Sanchez, Blazers three on three with KGW. Good night, everybody, or good morning.